Hello and welcome back to the YOM Colorado Springs podcast. This week our fall DTS students have the honor of learning about the Holy Spirit from Jessica Tate. Jessica Tate is an international speaker, missionary, as well as author who is passionate about inspiring people to fall deeply in love with Jesus and yield their lives fully to Him. She carries a deep reverence for Holy Spirit as well as teaches others how to acknowledge how the Spirit moves and what it looks like to partner with the Spirit. Let's jump right in. Um, hey, we are talking about Holy Spirit. So I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm not great at the, like, let's follow notes thing. So I'm going to try really hard to get you some information, and then I will share, and then we will have just a little time engaging with Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Hey, friend. How are you? There's a few faces back there. It's awesome. Um, So listen, y'all have this week about Holy Spirit, and here's the thing about Holy Spirit. I actually was just having a conversation with a friend about this yesterday, And he was like, growing up, I was always involved in church, and we were always shown this triangle to talk about the Trinity. Have y'all seen it? And it's like God at the top, Jesus over here, and then Holy Spirit. And he was like, basically the extent of our knowledge of Holy Spirit was he was like on the triangle and nothing else. Francis Chan, you guys like Francis Chan? He's a big YWAM guy. He wrote an entire book called The Forgotten God about Holy Spirit. Because the reality is that in most circles, most streams, if you want to call that, most denominations, Holy Spirit is this like mythical creature um, that pretty much nobody knows about. And he could basically be the Loch Ness Monster. Nobody really knows. We just all talk about him as if he's a thing, but we don't really know who he is. So I want to ask you a couple of questions before we get started. If I were to ask you, who is Holy Spirit? What is he like? What would you say about him? He's a guide. That's great. I like that. You didn't like that. Okay. All right. That little little sassy laugh you had going on there. Go ahead. That's great. Ever present. Somebody else said helper, right? Yeah. Manifestation of God's power. I like that. That's good. Somebody else? Yeah. Ooh, spirit of grace. That's really good. Somebody else? Scary. Say more about that. No, I liked the spitballing. Just say more about your spitballing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. A hundred percent. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Reese, give me a word for Holy Spirit. I like to just call her out. It's fun. Teacher, that's good. Somebody else? Yeah. That's good. Small, still voice, but also the flame. Anybody else? Empowering. That's good. Ah, yes. Talks about that in Acts quite a bit. Yep. Yes, he does. And if he doesn't, you may not be saved. Somebody else? That wasn't a joke. I was, just, I was serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Conscience. That's good. I, I like, um, who said guide? Didn't you say guide earlier? I had, a, I had a friend one time when she teaches on Holy Spirit. She always says, we're always begging God for a map. Like, we want to know, where's the next place? What's the next thing? And she, she said, why do you need a map if you have a guide? And she, she, I, she would teach this in such a beautiful way. She would almost take you on a journey with it, where she would say, if you were out and you were literally, like, on a journey and you had a map, if something happened, like a tree fell down or there ended up being a blockage somewhere you didn't know or something didn't look the way it did on a map, basically, you don't have anything but the map. But if you have a guide who knows the terrain, who knows the territory, then they can say, oh, you just need to do this. You just need to do that. So she was basically insisting, like, stop begging God for a map or for the next destination or what it's going to look like and just become friends with the guide and you'll be good. You know, I love that explanation. Anybody else? You good? 
So let's talk about it for real quick. Like I said, Francis Chan calls him the forgotten God. And I remember reading that book and thinking, what a beautiful explanation of it, that there is literally this third part of the Trinity that most of us have no idea what he's like. We don't talk to him. We don't know how he moves, how he speaks. And yet we also see in scripture this weird tension of like, you can grieve him, right? You can quench him. We see Jesus, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but literally tell the disciples, hey, it's better for you that I leave so that you can have him. And yet the majority of the church doesn't even know who he is or what he's like. So in the, in the, um, in the Bible, when it's discussing um, uh, the Holy Spirit in the Greek, the word for that would be pneuma. So when we talk about the study of Holy Spirit, and I promise I'm not going to give you, I do have a theology degree, but I'm not going to give you like a theological sermon for the next hour. But basically, the study of Holy Spirit is called pneumatology, right? It's to study pneuma. It's to study Holy Spirit. And the definitions for that are so interesting. Obviously, third, third person of the triune God, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and Son. I would suggest to you that most denominations and most churches don't actually see Holy Spirit as co-equal. And you can tell that by the amount of um, authority they give him in their church services, I'm going to say one more thing, but know that I love you. I would also say most believers don't see him as co-equal, and you can tell by how much authority we give him in our lives. I'll quote Bill. I promise I'll quote the Bible and Jesus more, but I'll normally quote Bill Johnson's second or third. He often says this. For most of the church, we call it Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's our trinity. And listen, you've got to understand, I love, I love the Word of God. I am obsessive about the Word of God. I read it every day. I, I genuinely don't remember a day. It's been years since I haven't read the Bible. I, I love the Bible. But Holy Spirit is, is, is inside of you with a purpose. And if I neglect what the living God on the inside of me is saying, and I put precedence, a, a, a very living, breathing word of God that is the Bible. Indeed, it's super important to navigate and guide your life, but it's Holy Spirit that actually makes this thing come alive. It's Holy Spirit that actually makes this thing quicken you and breathe upon you and actually give you revelation and impact you. There are many people who've read and studied this book their entire lives, but they actually have no relationship with him, and they may not even go to heaven. Did you know that Hitler had most of the Old Testament memorized? So it's not, it's not the words on the page that transform you. It's the Holy Spirit making those words alive inside of you, right? I would, I would almost say this, because Paul says knowledge puffs up. I would say the Bible, apart from Holy Spirit, is actually a danger to you. Because all it does is fuel your pride, but it doesn't have the power to transform, Right? That's why seminary can be dangerous for those who don't have relationship with him because it just gives you a lot of knowledge to, to produce pride in you. This isn't a week where we're going to talk much about pride and humility, but pride to me is the most dangerous thing in, in a believer's life because the Bible says that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. All sin is rooted in pride. All independence is rooted in pride, right? So I don't want to do anything that feeds my pride. So if reading the Bible apart from Holy Spirit feeds my pride, it's not worth it to me. Does that make sense? All right. We're okay, right? You're okay? All right. Um, let's see what else about this I even actually want to say. I don't really want to. It's a bunch of definitions about Holy Spirit. I don't like any of that. Well, I don't want to do any of that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this one page. Uh, the, the Greek word, which I ac actually love, is the. does anybody know the Greek word for Holy Spirit? It's, it's called a, a paraclete or parakletos. Uh, we have no, this is exciting, we have no English word that fully encapsulates the Greek word paraclete. 
the best definition that we can come up with is an advocate, a defense lawyer. In other words, he stands on your behalf to defend you. But what we said, this is really good because because what we what we when when you start putting all the pieces together, I'm sorry, I just want to jump on some of you guys right now. Like, yeah! When we start putting all of it together, all the all the thank you for the excitement. When you start putting all the definitions together, all the examples of who he is and what he's like, and you take scripture about what Jesus said about him and what you see him do in the Old Testament to how Paul talks about him in the New Testament, what you begin to understand is that he's a defense and an advocate for you, not just when you're in a court of law, not just to stand before you um, and, and plead your case, even though he does that. It, it's actually that he is your advocate who is with you always, like what you said, which means in every moment of every day, he is the close person who is for you, with you, fighting for you, guiding you, teaching you, helping you, convicting you, giving you revelation, speaking on your behalf, drawing you closer to the Lord, like on and on and on and on and on. We don't have a definition that could even do justice to the reality of who he is. Like, we could go on and on and on. He's, he is friend. He is comforter. And yet, he's the one who kicks you out of your comfort zone. He is the risk taker. He is your defense. He is the one who breaks off bondage and shame and guilt. He brings revelation. Jesus says he's the one who will remind you of the words that I say. The Galatians tells us he's on the inside of us and he's crying out, Abba, Father. Paul says that he is the seal upon us that marks us as believers. Like, how could you not want to know him? Like, my little, I know, I'm not the brightest, but like it doesn't make sense to me how we can read through scripture and not have something inside of us that goes, I gotta know him. I gotta know him. And here's the thing. We've gotta understand, like, the Trinity is not man. Like, they, they don't think like us. So not one time has Jesus ever said, I wish you would stop talking to Holy Spirit so much. I'm the one who died. Right? God has never looked and been like, why do you love Jesus so much and you're not loving me? Like, they're not in competition with each other. They each have distinct personalities and roles, and Holy Spirit is the one who is on the inside of you, for you, to be with you. You should know him. I am convinced that a large majority of the church could write a biography about Jesus, but when it comes to Holy Spirit, they don't have a clue what to say. They don't know him. They don't know what he's like. Listen, you don't know me, but I can, I can assure you, Holy Spirit, is he, he's my best friend. I, I genuinely, I don't know how people do life without him. I, I literally, I just, it escapes me to imagine trying to figure out life without him. I, I am in an endless pursuit, not just to know him, but to be one with him. To where, this is what uh, Romans 8.14 in the Passion Translation says this, the mature children of God are moved by the impulses of his spirit. Oh, come on. The mature children of God are moved by the impulses. That means, listen, when he, when he taps, I move. When he whispers, I respond. I am moved by the impulses of his spirit. This is the way, if you read through the gospels, it's how Jesus lived his life. He moved in response to the spirit. Okay, are y'all okay? All right. Okay, are y'all okay? Y'all are looking a little awkward over here. 
Sorry, it's a school. I can pick on you. You're going to have to get used to it. Listen, we've got to understand this, all right? Jesus is, I already told you some of this earlier with my testimony, but Jesus is walking with the disciples. He's training 12 people that he's trying to teach them. This is what the kingdom is like, right? This is how you operate in the kingdom. He was teaching them how to be in relationship with Holy Spirit. He was teaching them how to bring kingdom of heaven to earth. How many of you guys know that's also your job today? Like you are no longer a citizen of earth. You are a citizen of heaven. You've been transferred the kingdom out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The Bible says that you are a citizen of heaven. You are seated at the right hand. Come on. You are seated in heavenly places. Like this is not your home. That's your home. Your job is not to be an American or a missionary or any of those things. Your job is to be a kingdom ambassador of heaven on earth. So my My job is to represent the kingdom of heaven. You can't do that if you don't know what the kingdom's like. Another suggestion that I would make, I love you, but a majority of the church does a better job of representing their nation or their political alliance than they do the kingdom. Like people meet you and they know you're a Republican, but they're not sure if you're a Christian. That's a problem. You are an ambassador of heaven first. And your job is to bring the kingdom of heaven into manifestation on earth. And that's what Jesus did as he walked around and he was teaching these disciples. This is what the kingdom's like. Go through the gospels and highlight every single time you see Jesus say, and this is what the kingdom is like, and this is what the kingdom is like, and this is what the kingdom is like. He was teaching them what the kingdom is like. You want to see something crazy fascinating? Can we take a slight detour real quick? Turn to Acts chapter one. And then I promise we're going to get back. But I just, I, want you, I just want you to see this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready through this? Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. First off, let's just stop right there. This is Luke writing. He'd written the gospel of Luke. All of the gospel of Luke was about this is who Jesus is right? And so he says here, I wrote the first book. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Verse two, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Something I really, really love about this is it it says this, I'd written to you about all he began to do. Do you know why that's fascinating? Jesus is dead while he's writing this, resurrected in heaven, and he he acts like the story's not done. That wasn't even the point. That was a bonus. Keep going. Verse 3, this is what I want you to see. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about For 40 days, he met with them, teaching them about the kingdom. Some of us couldn't fill up an hour sermon about the kingdom. Because we don't know what it's like. We've studied TikTok. As missionaries, listen, I love you and I'm all for this. I'm all for this but you've spent more time studying the nation you're going on outreach to than studying the king and his kingdom. Forty days just teaching them what the kingdom was like. I have sat with the Lord and said, God, share with me what you shared with them. Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me about the kingdom. Jesus walked with them and he's teaching them. Sorry, this is I got off topic. Let's get back to it. He's walking with them. He's teaching them about the kingdom. He's demonstrating the kingdom. He's empowering them. He's giving them authority. 
you got to understand, listen, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a real, I'm, I'm going to say this and y'all are going to laugh, but like I, I came from like, I'm a normal person, you know, like I know I'm a little abnormal now, but this is me with Holy Spirit, but pre-Holy Spirit, like I was just a girl raised in a, a small podunk town with like not massive dreams or anything, living a super normal life, and then Jesus came and he shifted everything everything. There is no way, no way I could have ever told you that I would do the things I've done or go the places I've gone or or ever stand in front of people talking about Jesus. Like that was never the plan. He interrupted life and he transformed it. And that's what he did with the disciples. You've got a fisherman and Jesus is like, you think you're going to fish for fish, but you're going to fish for people. That doesn't even make sense. Peter's like, yes, I'll follow you. Why? Because he took nobodies. He took nobodies. And he was like, watch what can happen. Ordinary people casting out demons. Bible even says they were like in awe. Remember when Jesus quiets the storm and they're like, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Come on, can you imagine? You're walking with Jesus and you're like, demons just scream and run when this dude comes around. This is crazy. Lazarus is dead for four days and homeboy comes up and he's like, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. The dude was crazy. Lazarus, awake. Dead guy gets up out of the grave. You're, with, you're walking with Jesus and you're seeing things you'd never imagined before. And not just watching him do it, then he starts giving you the authority to do it. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? I can. Because I know what that felt like, being a nobody and then getting to know Jesus and being like, what? What in the world is this? This is crazy. It's nuts. My very first mission trip, somebody had had their arm hacked off with a machete and her arm grew out. Watch the fingers grow out right in front of me. 19 years old going, what in the world is happening? I'm from a town of 10,000 people. That never happened in my church. God is invited into the kingdom where anything is possible. God invited into the kingdom where, listen, what a joke to think that God is battling Satan. No, no, he already won. And I get to like live in the spoils of victory that hell shakes when I show up. Not because I'm somebody, but because I know somebody. Like, oh my gosh. And they're just like, I, do you get a little excited? Come on. I'm like, let's just go to the streets now. Come on. Take my sweatshirt off. Start running. He takes normal people and he transforms them into kingdom people. Like, oh. I remember when I started praying for the sick. I kid you not. Like, I'm a pretty, pretty simple person. I would, like, I'd, like, pray for somebody and something would happen. And I'd, how? How did, what, what just, what happened? I don't, I don't, I, I, what, what happened? I remember at first I'd pray for people. And I'd get more excited and shocked than they would. They'd be like, my pain is gone. I'd be like, what? Your pain is gone? Praise Jesus. I was just a normal person that he came inside and transformed. And the disciples are walking with him and they're getting to know him. And I'm sure they're laughing with him and they're crying with him. And they're doing miracles with him. And, 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 then, and then Jesus has the audacity to say something I, I would be so offended by. Do you, guys, do you guys know what he said? He said, uh, I'm going to leave now. 
and, and, and I, I don't, I know we, we all understand, like we've read the Bible, and so we're like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Holy Spirit was going to come. But these guys, like, this was their best friend. I don't know if you've had anybody pour into your life in a close way, in a mentoring or discipleship way. I have, and I can only imagine if, if one of those people that had, had brought so much healing to my life and so much freedom to my life and so much empowerment to my life if they just one day were like, I, I'm, I'm out. And that's what, that's what he did. And then he, he takes it a step further and he's like, but, but don't worry, bud. It's going to be better for you. <laughs> to me, I'm like, that sounds patronizing. Like, <laughs> can you imagine? I, I think I, I'm a lot like Peter. I get a little over ambitious about things, but I imagine I, I would probably have confronted Jesus just like he did a few times in scripture and been like, no, you're not leaving. I'll hold on to your clothes. You know, like everything inside of you would be like, no, 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 no. Like you can't, you can't leave your, your, your friend, your Lord, your all these things. There were all these things I thought we were going to do together. It doesn't make sense. But see, the, the only, only way this can make sense is that if you get this revelation, there is only one thing better than Jesus in the flesh. One thing. Do you know what it is? God inside of you. Holy Spirit inside of you. There's only one thing that could possibly be better than the Son of God standing right next to you. And that would be that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead would dwell inside of you. That's what Romans says. It's the only thing better. I hear people all the time, and listen, I, I do understand where they're coming from, but they're like, I just wish I could live when Jesus walked the earth. I just wished I could have him, and I'm like, if you got to know Holy Spirit, you wouldn't feel that way, because he's in you. If you walk out of the room, he goes with you. It wasn't that way. When Jesus was on earth, remember, he allowed himself, the Bible said he humbled himself to become like a man. He chose to humble himself in a way that he would be confined to a human body, which meant that he was in one place at one time. When he sent the disciples out to go do ministry, we see in scripture that happened a couple of times where he sent them out. He kept doing ministry where he was, and they went out away. When I go to do ministry, he never leaves. Why are you begging for something that's less? It's okay. You're okay. Jesus isn't offended. Remember, he's not in competition with Holy Spirit. This is who's on the inside of you. Thank you for the hoot. When I do it, it's really loud on the mic. Sometimes I just start yelling with the mic over here so I don't hurt your, your ears. We, 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 we I, okay, mm, I'm going to say this calmly. I'm not going to yell. We need to know him. It, it, it actually, it, it actually, it's not really an option. We need to know him. If the church is going to walk in the power that they're meant to walk in, they need to know him. I, I There's a joke and a meme. I love memes. You want to do my love language? Just shoot me some memes. I think they're hilarious. But there's there's one that's like, I wouldn't even go to Walmart without Holy Spirit. And I'm like, straight up, man, I feel you. I feel your life. I can, we're, we're vibing on the meme together. Here, here's the reality. I'm trying to think how to say this nicely. <laughs> no, the Lord's, the Lord's kind, usually. Um, he's honest. That's the real truth. 
any moment that you're not in connection with Holy Spirit, you're putting yourself in danger. And that doesn't matter if you're in Colorado or you're in a war zone. In sync with him is the safest place you'll ever be. And that doesn't mean if there's a gun to your head. It it is the safest place to be. It is safer to be in the middle of a war zone in connection in the will of the Lord than it is to be in Colorado out of his will. I'll tell you a story about that that I just absolutely love. I think I told this last time I was here. I can't remember. I have a friend who, um, she felt the call to missions when she was seven years old. And she was a front of a uh, part of a family that that was normal for them. And so when she was 10 years old, her church was taking a trip to Costa Rica. And she felt like the Lord at 10 years old told her to go. So she goes to her parents and she's like, mom, dad, like, I've got to go to Costa Rica with the church. They're going. And her parents were like, sorry, babe, like, we can't go. You can't go. If we're not going, you're not going. And that night, the Lord um, spoke to her father and said this, would you rather her be in Costa Rica under my protection or in America under yours? And he sent his 10-year-old daughter on a mission trip. (laughs) Because that's the reality. Any moment that I'm not in sync with what he's doing, when I'm not aware of his moving. There was a time when I was in Congo with some friends, and uh, it was during that time of crazy war. We got on a bus. You know how if you've been to Africa, it's like 20 people on a 15-passenger band, plus some goats and some chickens, and, you know, it's like mass chaos. You don't know what's going on. And we get on the bus, and we're going, and it had been a long day, and we needed to go about 30 minutes on the bus, and we get about two stops in when our friend turns and says, we've got to get off the bus, and we all look at her. We're like, no, no, we ain't getting off the bus. Like, we're in the middle of wherever. We're tired. We want to get home. She was like, Holy Spirit said, get off the bus. So we're like, okay. We all get off the bus. One stop more. About Like, we could see it. Shooting starts coming out of the bus. Like, I love you. I, I love you. But it's actually not a game. And that's what we don't get. Like, you're in the middle of a war. And you have an advocate. Why would you not be in constant communication and connection with him? I heard one minister put it this way. You have a genius living on the inside of you. Why would you try to make a decision yourself? And we joke about it, but we're so quick to go to Google <laughs> when the one who knows all is right here. You okay? You guys are quiet. Y'all right? All right. I have this picture often, and I, I'm, I call it my um, JTV, the Jessica Tate version, all right? It's not, um, it's not ultra biblical, but it's not not biblical, okay? So I'm going to give you, like, my idea of, like, this picture of a story that I see. Because I read this with Jesus, and I imagine him telling the disciples, like, hey, I'm going to go. It's better for you. And I imagine myself being, like, worst idea ever. I hate everything about this. I don't know what's going on. And, and we, we begin to see after this journey, if you have not ever, like, extensively set in John 13 through John 17, you need to go do that. I just had Reese do that like a month ago, and she's like sending me 20-minute Marco Polos about the stuff God's teaching her, because John 13 through 17 is so rich in who Jesus is and who Holy Spirit is. It is just this beautiful discourse. If you can go read those, go sit in them and soak in them and say, Lord, teach me about the kingdom. But here in John 14, we see Jesus teaching them about Holy Spirit and then talking to them about abiding in John 15, which... We'll talk about abiding because I love that chapter so much. And then he goes on and he talks some more about Holy Spirit. And he's talking about what he's like. And this is when he actually says to them, hey, I'm going to leave. It's better for you. And then John 17, he goes into praying for the disciples. And it's just, it's rich, you know. But you see this picture of he's trying to get the disciples ready that a shift is about to occur, right? 
Something is about to change. I'm going to leave. Holy Spirit's going to come. And then we start coming into this journey that leads towards the cross. And in the JTV Jessica Tate version, I have this idea in my head where I can picture almost the enemy getting ready to put on this basically show where he thinks we're going to kill Jesus, right? This is the gospel. Are you okay? We're going to talk about the gospel for a minute. Hopefully you know it, you love it, you live in it, you sit with it, you practice it, you think about it, right? It's actually important if you're a believer that we don't get tired of the gospel. Please tell me you're not tired of the gospel. Awesome. Great. You are here because of the gospel, right? It doesn't get old. So here he is, and, 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 and the Bible says, I've said it already so many times, and I keep saying it because I love it so much. It said, Jesus went around destroying the works of the enemy. So what that means is everywhere Jesus was going, he was destroying the kingdom of darkness and bringing the kingdom of heaven. Ah, that's our job! And so he's going around, he's doing this, so you can imagine the enemy is like, hey, let's kill him. We got this dude. He's a problem. He's messing everything up. Let's kill him. What I love about the Bible is it says this about Jesus. It says no one could take his life from him. He freely laid it down. This is beautiful. But here in this, if you think that the enemy killed Jesus, you're wrong. The enemy did not kill Jesus. The enemy could not kill Jesus. Jesus chose to die. But in the enemy's head, he's plotting and he's scheming. He's like, Jesus is a pain in our butt. Let's kill him. And I just have this moment where I'm like watching the walk up to the gospel. And you see Jesus choose not to defend himself. You see Jesus choose to take on the weight of being a sinner. You see Jesus allowing people to beat him and whip him and spit on him and ridicule him and mock him. And he had done nothing wrong. And you know what's crazier? Even more than he did nothing wrong, he could have stopped it in an instant and he chose not to. Man, he loves you. Please don't forget the gospel. Because I love you so much. But if somebody came in here and started beating the mess out of me for something you did, I'd be like, they did it. What are you hitting me for? It was that one. And he did it. Come on, guys. He laid it down. So here's this moment. He's hanging on the cross. And I just have this picture like in my head of like the enemy's like, okay, we're almost there. We've almost won. We're going to win. We're going to kill him. This is going to be amazing. Here we go. This is all, all of this torture that he's been causing us. We're going to kill him and it's going to be over. And he's hanging on the cross and Jesus begins to take his last breath. And we know that it says he commits his spirit. He cries out when he takes his last breath and then chaos unfolds. An earthquake happens and dead people start rising up out of their graves. Come on, this is crazy. And I just imagine in this moment that the enemy was like getting ready to throw a party and be like, yes, we've won. And instead, in a moment when dead people start coming out of their graves, they go, oh, crap. Sorry. What have we done? And you guys know the story. He defeats sin and death, and he raises again on the third day. Come on! He destroys the wall of separation between you and the Father. The veil rips in two. Come on, don't get bored with the gospel. Like, you're here because of this. Don't let it get boring. That's a fast track to going cold. Don't forget that it's personal. It's not just for those sinners out on the streets. You still need the blood of Jesus. I still need the blood of Jesus. Still need it every day. I told you I say a lot of stupid stuff. I got to repent a lot. And it's because he did that that I can go boldly into the throne room of grace. And he comes back and he does this beautiful thing with Peter where he restores him. I love that story. Come on. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He comes and 
He's not mad. He's not disappointed. He's not angry. This is a good clue for some of you when you're betrayed, when you're hurt, when you're stabbed. Jesus decides to go straight to his friend and restore him. He goes and he teaches the disciples for 40 days. And then we, we pick up in a passage that people love to just kind of glaze over unless you're in charismatic circles. It says in verse 4, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on! Baptize us, Holy Spirit. Give me more. There's a passage in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, in the Passion Translation, where it says this. I'm longing for more, but how can I contain more? Okay. I'm so hungry for more, but I'm so full, I don't know if I can take it. But I'm so hungry for more, but I'm so full, I don't know if I can take it. That's how you're supposed to live. I want so much more, but I'm just so full. Can I take any more? But God, I need so much more, but I don't know if I can take any more. People meet me and they're like, she don't need any more. Can you just, woo, woo, simmer down. More, Lord. Listen, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, tonight's a great night. If you have been, Say, baptize me again and fill me up, Lord. Stretch me more. I'm always looking like I want to be a bigger container, right? You know the, the story in the Old Testament where the, the prophet said to the widow, just go get the containers and fill them up with oil. And as many containers as she brought were filled up. Some of us just bring one container and say, I'm good. When literally Holy Spirit's like, how much room do you want to give me? I'll fill it up. Because when you surrender, you're just emptying out more out of the container and saying, Holy Spirit, pour more in. And the more, I, the more I let go of, the more I push out of my hands, the more uh, Hebrews 12 says, lay aside every sin and every weight that hinders you. The more that I set aside the sin of my life or the weight in my life, the more I, I, I fill my container for Holy Spirit to fill it. Expand my container, Lord. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons when the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive Come on. power. Power. Listen, we have so many powerless churches because they refuse to embrace the one who brings the power. This is not a lie. This is a true story of a friend of mine who was on staff at a church. And he would do these Holy Spirit services. And I'm, we're going to talk about manifestations and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we're going to have time tonight because I talk too much. But we will at some point talk about those things. But he would have these services and they would get crazy. People would get healed. People would get delivered. But people would roll on the floor. People would laugh. People would cry. And one day a senior pastor pulled him into a... Uh, a side room, and he said, listen, we love you. The church loves you. You're an amazing pastor, uh, but to be honest, we, we're struggling with you and some of the Holy Spirit stuff you're doing, and my friend said, okay, like, hey, what, you know, what is it? I'll answer whatever question it is, and, and he said, I just, I just want to let the Holy Spirit move and do whatever he wants, and, and the pastor said to him, I hear what you're saying, but in this church, uh, we prefer to have Holy Spirit, but just kind of with a muzzle on him so it's not too loud. My friend, thank God, said, okay, I love you, I quit. Many pastors wouldn't say that, but that's how they treat him. Many of us wouldn't say that, but that's how we treat him. I've learned as a minister, the Lord flipped this around for me. I used to say all the time, I love to let Holy Spirit come and interrupt me. And one day Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's the problem. You make me interrupt you. I should be the one leading. 
Reese touched on it earlier, and I, I wish you would have <clears throat> talked a little bit more about it. Here, here's the thing. He, he, he is my, my best friend. He, he, I, I, I love him so much. But, but long before he was friend, he was Lord. And he's still Lord first. He's in charge. He's the boss. I love him. He is friend. He's so kind. So sweet. He's so generous. But he's Lord. One time I was in a worship service. Are y'all okay with some of my random stories? <clears throat> One time I was in a worship service and I was just, you know, just moved by him. Just overwhelmed in worship. And he spoke to me and he said, I want you to go pray for that person. And I just instinctively said, Lord, I, I will as soon as worship's over. I'm just, I'm just enjoying worship so much. <clears throat> as soon as I said that, I felt conviction <clears throat> hit me in the spirit. And he said, Jessica... I am your friend, but don't forget I'm your Lord. Go pray for that person. Yes, sir. Worship's been great. Thanks. I'll go pray. <laughs> He's Lord. We don't get to take him out of lordship because he becomes friend. It's just a beautiful thing that gets to come alongside where I continue to honor him and let him be Lord, but I also learn how to be friend. And we are going to talk about what that looks like tomorrow, but here we go. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Missionaries love this verse and then they go out and never talk to Holy Spirit. They're like, I have received power. I'm like, yes, but do you know him? get the power when you get to know him because the power comes when I do what he says so the power doesn't come when I go do what I say the power does when I go do what he says the reason listen and I, I you heard my story I had PTSD I had burnout I had all those things but the reason so many missionaries burn out is because they don't know Holy Spirit so they're trying to love people in their own strength and I love you, but you don't have enough strength. They're trying to fix problems with their own wisdom. And I love you, but you ain't that smart. Google can't fix some of the things going on in the earth. Google can't do the things I've seen Holy Spirit do. Jessica cannot, cannot heal the sick can't. Demons, get this, demons aren't afraid of me by myself, but they're terrified when I walk in confidence with Holy Spirit. Terrified. I, lo I love in Acts, one of my favorite stories, when the, the, uh, the guys, the sons of Sceva go out and they decide to cast out demons, right? You guys know the story? It's so good. I, Acts 19? Am I, anybody quote me on that? I think it's Acts 19. Could be 16. Anyway, they go out and they, they go to, to, to cast out these demons and, 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 and they can't. And, and so the demons actually begin to talk to them. And this is what they say. They, they were trying to cast out the demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. This is what the Bible says. They said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demons said this, Jesus we know. Paul we've heard of. Who are you? Come on. Jesus we know. In other words, that dude, everybody knows him. He's messed things up. We afraid of him. Don't like him. Yeah, everybody in hell. I'm kicking somebody's backpack every time I walk here. Sorry, dude. Push it under the table. Jesus we know. Paul, we've heard of him. You know what that means? Like, Paul's been causing some disruptions. Demons are talking about him. Words are getting around about him. But who are you? Because you ain't done nothing. Nobody here afraid of you. And then the demons beat him up and strip him naked. I don't know what's more embarrassing there. 
I read that passage and I, I think, man, listen, I don't give a, a, a one cent about being famous on earth. I could, I could care less. I don't even know how, to, I just got be real today. I still don't understand how to use it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care about that kind of stuff, but, but I, I am. I, I want to be known in heaven. Like, I want angels to be telling stories about the crazy things I've done. I want the Lord to be like, that's my daughter. Look what she's doing. I want the saints in heaven to go, like, look at her running. That's biblical. That's in Hebrews 12, the cloud of witnesses. Like, I want to be known in heaven, and I want to be known in hell. I want to show up places and demons be like, you better watch out. Homegirl, don't play. She's not an apathetic believer. You better watch out. I was in a ministry time in Brazil, and we were doing a fire tunnel. Y'all ever done a fire tunnel? People are going through, just praying. We're just praying in tongues, praying for people. Woo! Next thing I know, a woman clamps onto my throat and starts screaming. We do deliverance. She gets set free. Girl with me hadn't ministered with me much. She says, uh, that, uh, does, that, does, that, does, does that happen often to you? I say something like that happens pretty often, actually. Because the demons are afraid, and they should be. This is why I said I couldn't have one of these. I would bounce it everywhere. They should be. And I, I, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I, I'm an idiot. I do so many stupid things all the time. But I am very acutely aware of the one who is on, it, on the inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The same power which raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Hell should be afraid because I know who's inside of me. When you're right here, I'm 